0: Hello, welcome to Wellbeing, I'm Raleigh Taylor. Over a billion people own a smartphone, and studies have estimated that an average person checks their screen 100 times a day. The internet is an increasing part of today's culture, especially for children and youth, with whom online gaming and social networking are among the most popular activities. This raises the question, do smartphones and the internet affect brain development in the young? Today we are talking to Jocelyn Brewer, a Sydney-based registered psychologist with a special interest in the psychology of technology. Welcome, Jocelyn Brewer. Hi. While the first-hand mobile phone was demonstrated in 1973, the smartphone as we know it today has been around just over 10 years. The early cell phones just made phone calls. But today, the smartphone is likely to be more powerful than your desktop computer. What are the pros and cons of having such a device available wherever you go.
1: Yeah, well, obviously a smartphone is much more than a phone. So um, you can do a bazillion different things, and I think there's something like 1.8 million different apps and games in the um, Play stores. So, um, you know, you can basically choose your own adventure in terms of what you're actually using your phone for.
0: Um, As we're talking about the effects of uh, of smartphones, we're talking about the high frequency of radio waves that they use to communicate and also that they're usually sedentary when we use them. That's before we start looking at the software. Is there any evidence, first of all, that young people can be affected by having these devices so close to their developing brains?
1: Okay, so you're talking about um, the radio frequencies and and the stuff that's coming out of phones. It's really unclear, to tell you the truth. But a lot of the research in this entire field is very um, nascent. It's emerging. Um, We're still working out a lot um, uh, of, you know, the impacts, especially in terms of, like, how do we actually monitor how close to your head you constantly have your phone. Obviously, I'm talking to you on a smartphone right now, so it's right up against my ear. I might choose to always use um, earphones or earbuds in order to do that, so that can actually reduce that. You might choose not to sleep with your phone right next to your bed, um the science is unclear but uh emerging i guess we can't kind of make any um you know definite um uh, kind of conclusions just yet
0: do you think children being exposed to smartphones at a young age causes behavior abnormalities
1: um not necessarily i mean young people are exposed to a, a range of different things um and I think we have to be really careful of blaming technology on anything that goes wrong with you know, human society and communication. Um, we have to remember that we designed the technology. Humans are responsible for all of those millions of apps. <laughs> and parents are actually the people who hand out the phones or the technology or download the games and download the apps. So it's, it's really important, I guess, that we don't just sort of say, oh, technology is doing all this stuff, but we as humans who are in control of the technology and our choices around what technology we use actually have a really big responsibility and a role to play in that. So for a child, you know, for instance, if... If you had a a four-year-old child and you let them go to the supermarket and eat whatever they wanted, they're probably not going to choose the broccoli. Mm. They're probably going to choose the sweet treat. Similarly, if, as a parent, you're not really having um, control over the screen time and the kind of activities that kids are doing, they're probably going to choose to do the juicy, you know, addictive kinds of things um, that we all get morally panicked about.
0: Why do parents blame technology when they're just handing it out to their children?
1: I have no idea. You'd have to ask parents who who are doing the blaming and the people writing the headlines um, who are, you know, having those sorts of um, narratives and conversations about that. I think it's really easy to apportion blame to an external source. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, parenting is a really tough gig. So, of course, if you've got this amazing device that will shut up your toddler when you're in the cafe trying to chill out and have a conversation with your mate, um, we might, you know, whip out the iPad and um, serve that up to the toddler. I guess the question is, um, you know, what are the longer-term impacts of that? It might not sort of seem too terrible in the short term, but in the long term, if the only thing that actually keeps you quiet or manages your emotions is this device, and we're actually not using... Um, the more complex parts of our brain that actually will do that emotion regulation for us when we learn to practice using it.
0: What impact does social software like Snapchat, Facebook and Twitter have on the social and emotional skills of children?
1: Uh, that's a huge question. So, um, you know, look, social and emotional skills are basically skills that we learn through role modelling. We, we learn through rehearsals. We watch what people are doing and usually we mimic or we copy or sometimes if we're a little bit older, we actually might choose not to copy some of those things. So, you know, for me, I grew up with a dad who was a smoker and I said to myself, I'm definitely not going to smoke. That's really gross. So we make decisions based on kind of um, the experiences and the role models that we have and through interaction, social interaction. So, um, you know, I guess using social media... We learn inherent rules, you know, and and with gaming, for instance, if you're playing um, a massively multiplayer game and you're playing in a guild or a team, there's a whole bunch of rules and kind of social um, skills that you have to have in order to be successful in that. So um, while it's it's not necessarily eroding those skills there are different types of like inherent or implicit skill that happens within a particular context so how you interact within um i don't know your overland guild or in a particular a game might be really really different to then how you interact on snapchat or instagram or how you interact in real life doesn't necessarily mean it's you're not learning those skills, it's just you are applying those skills really differently because there's a different context.
0: Now, as we're talking about um, smartphones, could you tell us the positives and negatives you believe of children using smartphones?
1: Um, Well, you know, like... Children children is really defined as people under 12. <laughs> and so oh, well, teenagers, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if we're talking about adolescents and we're talking about um, people who are over 13, which is the kind of official age that you're supposed to um, sign up for uh, social media platforms, um... Look, there's a million uses, as I say. Look at how many apps and games there are, and that will tell you how many uses of it there are. Um, It starts off, I guess, as just being a communication tool. It can be a safety tool. It can be, um, you know, to make sure, you know, parents might use it to make sure that their kids are safe or to let them know that they're going to be late to pick them up from school or all those sorts of things. Um, uh, You know, you can use it for your calculator. You can... Uh, learn reading and do all sorts of different educational activities on phones as well. I guess the, the issues where, I guess, technology goes bad or um, gets a bit murky is when people are using the technology for, um, I guess, reasons that maybe aren't that positive, that they might be being a bit deviant, they might not actually be using technology with the in, you know, a good intention. And that's where we might see, um, you know, people are trolling others or bullying or doing some of those other activities that get a lot of attention.
0: How can smartphones affect cognitive development in teenagers?
1: Yeah, so cognitive development is pretty much the way that your brain wires up and the way that you develop thinking skills. So we know that there's a range of different ways of thinking and different skills that we need as humans in order to kind of be quite functional. So um, I guess smartphones... You know, there's there's lots of different ways that smartphones or any technology um, can impact the brain. It depends on what you're doing with the device. Okay, so you can go to a gym, and the gym has a lot of different activities within it. If you're only using one machine at the gym and doing it over and over, you're probably not developing a whole range of muscles. So similarly with f- smartphones if you're only using one app or you're doing really repetitive sort of activities on it like playing tetris or candy crush or some of those things you're not developing a range of skills that you might need to be successful in life
0: as you're talking about all these sorts of apps and saying some apps some apps are useful and some apps are not mm-hmm. um, do you think that smartphones are improving children and teenagers development?
1: Are improving
0: it? Yeah, improving, yes. Like like um, it helping them again, learn. It just,
1: Yeah, again, it depends on how you're using it. Yes, okay. Yeah, so, you know, there's lots of different ways that people use technology, just like there's lots of different ways that people use the gym. And you see a lot of people at the gym who I can tell you are not using a very good technique. Right? So, just because you're at the gym doesn't mean it's good for you.
0: Oh, okay. Yes.
1: Similarly, just because you're using heaps of social media doesn't mean it's bad for you. Yeah. Because if what you're actually doing is participating in chats or discussions about, I don't know, um, you know, a cause that you're really passionate about, then that can be really, really positive. So, we need to look more beyond just that there's a screen there or just that it's social media and ask what are you thinking, what are you doing and why are you doing it and how is that impacting you? So it's much more complex and nuanced than most people would actually go into because, we again, we jump to lots of conclusions around technology and that technology is somehow inherently eroding what it means to be human rather than how can we humanise technology so that it brings out the best aspects
0: of us. These days, it is rare to see a group of people in public on a university campus or a bus stop, for instance, not looking at their smartphone. Now, Jocelyn, can you be addicted to your phone or is addiction to technology even exist?
1: Yeah, so again, look at that judgment that's behind the fact that people are sitting there on their phone, yeah? Yep. If you went back 20 years and everyone was sitting there reading the newspaper, would you have the same question or judgment? Oh my God, there's so many people addicted to newspapers. What are we going to do? Society is ruined. (laughs) So again, we're making lots of judgments and assumptions Mm. that have absolutely no basis. Yeah? Yeah. When it comes to questions of addiction, um, it's a really, really gray area because traditionally we would think of addiction around substance. Use, so drug and alcohol mostly yeah. increasingly we're looking at addiction from what they call a process or a behavioral aspect and this includes things like gambling or addiction to eating or shopping and things like that now the the research is new and again emerging because we're starting to think about how do we how does some of the things that we're doing shape our behaviors and uh, there's a there's a thing called the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, and even within that, that's written by the American um, a- Academy of uh, Association of Psychiatrists or American Psychiatric Association, whatever it's called, um, which is you know the top end of people in the psychiatric field. Even they themselves, in the newest edition, DSM five, say that addiction is basically a really really crappy word to describe this. Phenomenon, Um, And when we start talking about a whole population as being addicted, I think it's really, really problematic because, again, we have to go back to who gave them the digital syringe, so to speak, who gave them the device to actually plug in and get hooked on this stuff. And, you know, for a lot of people, let's say, under, you know, 18, it's their parents. So we're really going to implicate a whole generation of people as being addicts. You know, when I think about, about, about addicts, I think of train spotting. (laughs) I think of, you know, that crew of people. That's the kind of addiction that we're talking about. Are we talking about people who are highly engaged, who are using a tool, who maybe don't have um, enough information about the impacts on their brain, who maybe, it's kind of like Macca's in the 80s. You know, I used to go to swimming training on, on Saturday morning and then the reward would be to go to McDonald's. So, you know, that wouldn't happen these days because we have more information and insight into the impacts of some of those things um, you know, this whole addiction question with regard to technology, to be really honest, I think it's all just driven by media and the need to get clickbait. When we start talking about addiction and digital zombies and that, um, you know, technology creates, it's like digital heroin. This is all really, really kind of bad science because when we start looking at it and we dig deeper into it, there's lots of other implications around that and it's not a pure addiction as such.
0: What is the future of people being influenced by technology such as smartphones?
1: Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no one's invented a time machine for me to go forward and actually work that out. Yep. Um, I guess the, the future is in our hands in terms of how do we empower ourselves with information about what these possible impacts are? How do we demand from companies like you know, Google or Facebook and the the big tech companies to actually design more ethically and to um, be more transparent with how they're designing. But it's also a kind of like, let the buyer beware, that old kind of um, sort of caveat that as consumers, we need to be aware of what we're actually consuming, you know, what we're buying into, what we're downloading, how it's impacting us. So rather than just saying, oh, it has to be up to the developers to be ethical and transparent, we as consumers also actually, you know, have to ask some of the right questions in order to make the choices that that align to us, and not just kind of throw our arms up and go, "Oh, you know, Facebook made me an addict" or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and increasingly, I think we are aware of that, and increasingly, we teach young people um, digital and media literacy to be able to read through that. It's also a really big issue, obviously, with the whole fake news phenomenon and. Um, this whole idea of how do you how do you actually appraise information when there's so much out there
0: Is it possible that smartphones are causing um, it, I, I don't know if this is true but it could be fake as you said fake news but um, I'm just interested by this question Is it possible that or do you think that smartphones are causing child obesity lack of communication skills emotional disorders and anxiety because no. No, I don't. Yes, okay.
1: I think there's a range of factors that feed into that.
0: Yes. And,
1: you know, the good old thing about, oh, childhood obesity, it's because everyone's at home on their ass playing games. Yeah. Well, actually, there's a whole other bunch of reasons why kids aren't going out as well. Yes. One of those is fear. One of those is helicopter parenting.
0: Yeah. One of
1: those is the idea that we don't go and let kids ride the bike down the street or play cricket, or do things without adult supervision as much because we're scared that somebody's going to come and steal them, you know. So there's a range of different things that play into that, one of which might be the availability of technology. But the thing that we always forget with that is that technology is so mobile, right? So you can be playing cricket in the street or riding your bike and you know, using technology. You might be using technology because you're using Google Maps to try and get yourself to the skate park to meet your friends. You might be using technology because when you're at the skate park, you're making a video of your friends doing all the tricks that you're uploading to YouTube. So there's lots of different ways. Again, it goes back to the kind of question that we we had earlier, that, you know, it's really about appraising what you're doing with the technology rather than just blindly saying, oh, everyone's anxious because Mm. they're, you know, comparing themselves to um, models doing yoga on Instagram. Yeah. Well, we were doing that when with Dolly magazine 20, 30, 40 years ago. So there's always been these issues, but technology is a new lens to view a lot of them through. Um, in
0: 2013, I read on your article, you created a digital nutrition to guide practice of tech use and healthy relationships with uh, digital devices. How would mm-hmm. digital nutrition help guide teenagers with uh, digital devices?
1: Yeah, so the idea behind digital nutrition is rather than thinking about, um, I, I guess, technology just in terms of screen time. So back at, back in the day, we were, and even now, lots of people talk about screen time limits, and you know, you only have two hours a day. And to me, that's like counting calories and not considering the nutrients. So really what I'm encouraging people to do is have a healthy relationship with technology and to think about what is in the activities they consume. So this is the idea of virtual vitamins. How do we actually um, sort of think about uh, having, having a richer digital diet? Um, so with um, teenagers and, in fact, parents or any human who wants to use technology... Um, actually bringing three principles into your tech use. And those three principles are being mindful, having a meaningful relationship with, with your device and the content that you're accessing, and doing it in moderation, both in terms of, you know, not stuffing yourself stupid and, and kind of binging on technology, but also moderating what you do with technology. So some of the, some of the reactions that you might have to things that you see online. So, you know, digital nutrition is really about our concept of of how do we have this relationship with technology where technology remains our servant and doesn't become a master. How do we actually have, um, you know, that relationship to technology or like we would with food where we're not kind of beating ourselves up for eating too much or eating too little or, you know, going on diets and detoxing and all this sort of stuff, but we actually have an understanding of how it impacts us.
0: Um, if you're interested in more from Jocelyn Brewer, look her up on the website jocelynbrewer.com.
1: The other site that you can probably visit too is digitalnutrition.com.au, so that's got all of the information around digital nutrition and healthy digital diets and things like that. So that's kind of a website that if you if you want to kind of um, yeah, deal with those issues more, that's the best one to to have a look at.
0: Today I was talking to Jocelyn Brewer, a Sydney-based registered psychologist with special interests in the psychology of technology about how smartphones affect, if smartphones, well we found out it doesn't affect brain development in the young, depends what kind of content you're using. I went to the streets to ask parents questions of their opinions of children and their smartphones. Right now we're going to be talking with Bronwyn Spencer who's a mother of three children and we're going to be asking six questions about her children with smartphones. Do you have uh, restrictions with your kids and their smartphones?
2: I uh, don't enforce too many restrictions, although when I think that they've had enough, I take it away. But um, generally speaking...
0: Do you think smartphones are making uh, your children antisocial? Or do you think it's just a learning curve for them? Yet again, it depends Like what pro- what are they using on their phone yeah, too.
2: Yeah, I don't say that it's making them antisocial. It's letting... Um, them socialise in a different medium that we're not really familiar with, um, but it's still socialising in, in some form. So just because it's different, I don't think it necessarily makes them antisocial.
0: Yeah. As, as again, yeah, media media puts that kind of attention to saying smartphone's the reason why it's doing this, while the media's like, you, kind of like fake news, as Trump says. Do you think it's possible to be addic- addicted to a smartphone?
2: yeah again it depends i think that a lot of the teenagers and and stuff that use facebook i've read a lot of articles saying that they're addicted to the validation they get from facebook so they go on facebook and they're logging on facebook and they're literally going into it without even knowing what they're doing and to take that away from them um i i think yeah they probably are quite addicted it's it's um, automatic now. Yep. You pick up your smartphone and, and you go into your social media, check in. Um, so I think there is a bit of addiction at play.
0: Oh, what, what are some precautions to be aware of while using a smartphone that you use? For um, your kids, sorry.
2: Do you mean um, at, like restrictions? Like, like
0: um, parental guidance and everything. Oh, like, uh, yeah. Like when they're going on YouTube and everything.
2: I always... Say that as a parent, um, you have to make sure that you're. There's a lot of voices in your children's life. You have to be the loudest yeah. as a parent. Um, so I think I really I, I put a platform forward that if the kids need to come and talk to me about something they've seen, they can, and we do. But you really can't censor everything. Um, so it's really about being understanding when you talk to them about what they are watching. And, and I my kids are younger. So I do go in and make sure I sit with them sometimes and just watch what they are watching. And we have a chat about it. Cool. Thank you. No worries.
0: After talking to Bronwyn Spencer, who was a mother of three kids right now, I'm going to be talking to Peter Taylor, who's a mother of seven kids and three grandchildren. That's a lot of children there. Do you think smartphones has a place in the classroom?
3: Uh, Yeah, I've seen with one of my daughters in particular where she had not completed a written task that had to be copied into her book. She was allowed to photograph it from the whiteboard, which was then on her phone, took it home and for homework, she could finish the notes in her book from the use of a smartphone. So in that sort of way, yes, they are useful.
0: Do you have restrictions with your kids and their smartphones? As you're talking about, like for instance, with Charlotte, what kind of restrictions would you put upon Charlotte when you saw that kind of stuff happening to her?
3: Uh, Well, particularly at school, I'd say it's to be used just for those sort of things. She's not to sit in class and be on Facebook or or that sort of thing. At home, I do think there's a place where you put the phone down, uh, particularly before bed relax for a while, turn the brain off or at least relax the brain a while um, because I noticed if you're on your phone, they're on their phone late into the night, they often have more disturbed sleeps. So in that sort of thing, I have had restrictions. There's been a few episodes of some things going on on Facebook where I've I've also had to maybe not put restrictions on but just be a bit mindful
0: of what was going on. As we're talking about teenagers in general, I don't know how old Charlotte would be but I might aiming at charlotte but i'm just saying teenagers of your children do you think uh they can be independent without their smartphones
3: look i think they can but charlotte's 14 i think charlotte's lost without her smartphone it's probably a very good question uh they can do they want to be no should we encourage them to try and be yes but is it possible perhaps not um you know they've grown up with the this technology it's a part of their life should we take it off them? Probably not, but should we you know manage it better to be a part of our life rather than take over our life?
0: Probably. Do you think that's more of what media has done, for, done, to, done to teenagers, or do you think parents encourage children to use more technology, like smartphones, for instance? Uh, is that the reason why they like that, or is it something else, or is it just media just putting that kind of attention uh, on it? so that's why so people many think of that.
3: I think it's probably a little bit of each. I mean, you know, it's technology. Golly, you know, Netflix, for example, uh, children to sit down and watch TV need a, a device to, to be able to, to operate Netflix. Um, I'm
0: not saying it's a bad thing. No. Uh, technology can be helpful too. It's not a bad thing or it's a good thing. That's it's right. just a thing that, like anything, it just needs kind of like self Managing, contru- managing. Yes, yes, exactly.
3: Yes. Yeah, and look, my three-year-old grandson ad- adores relaxing at night watching some Paw Patrol or something on the iPad. Um, is that a bad thing? No. Did I do it with my older children? No. If, but, I, I let them him watch TV. So, you know, is it just the world's changing? It's not really that different, just the devices are changing. Whereas I'd sit him down to watch a bit of TV to relax him. Now I sit my th- three-year-old grandson down with an iPad to relax. Uh, the devices mean they're smaller more able to be moved around rather than a television. So, you know, I think manage it. It's about managing.
0: As we're talking about management, what are some precautions you would do to manage um, your kids? Like, So what kind of, like, to be aware of, like, uh, parental guidance and everything. So Bronwyn, she said she would go into the kids' iPad and see what kind of stuff they're looking at. So be with them. What kind of things would you do for your kids as we're talking about with management?
3: Um, In the early years of of Charlotte being on Facebook I asked her could I be her friend and it was a a way of being able to monitor a little bit of what was going on on Facebook. As she's got older I felt that she needed her privacy so I actually uh, am not anymore. Um, But she still has older siblings also that can watch and manage things. Um, Don't just say no to your child. Try it yourself. Go on Facebook yourself. Learn about Facebook yourself. Find out how it works. Understand how it works. Instead of just going alarm, 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 it's all bad. There are good sides to it, but sometimes the only way you can see this is from your own perspective.
0: Thank you for listening to Wellbeing. The people I spoke with today was Bron Spencer. She was a mother of three children and Peter Taylor, who is a mother of seven children and three grandchildren. I also spoke with Jocelyn Brewer, a Sydney-based registered psychologist with a special interest in the psychology of technology. And all of us at Wellbeing wish you well.